What's up, guys? It's Toby here with episode 9 of the Fair City Podcast. This one's going to be a great one as well. This is a special interview today again. So, first up, with with me as my co-host today, uh, with less than a week to go until his meth cooking adventures in America, <laughs> <laughs> it's Kev. Kev. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Kev. Hello and thank you for that introduction, Stoby. You're yeah. welcome. I'm just lining you, up some, <laughs> lining you up some business when you get there, you know. How's <laughs> <laughs> so, things? Uh, fantastic. Uh, as you said, it's getting real close now. It's, it's real and it's real terrifying. Yeah, by the time this comes out, by the way, which will probably be Wednesday, uh, <laughs> yeah, it'll just be a few days. <sighs> You might even be away if I really drag my fingernails. <laughs> no, I, I can't. Uh, I've got too much to do. Get this out. <laughs> no, that's good. Uh, also with us today is a special guest from the realm of eternal darkness, uh, I mean Fife, uh, <laughs> to talk to us about Tabletop Scotland. It is the convention overlord, Dave Wright. How's it going, Dave? Very well, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's not that dark. It's, it's normally sunny here, actually. I don't know about the darkness. <laughs> it's Fife. Uh, well, Says the guys from Perth. <laughs> so, no comment. We're, we're, we're not going to go there. <laughs> no, so, actually, I really like Fife. I've had great experiences in Fife with jobs and people and friends and uh, the go kart, not the go kart, and the, the crazy golf in Dunfermline. <laughs> All right, okay. Yeah, yeah Dunfermline's about. The only real positive experiences I've had in Fife, and that's again the crazy golf and the the bowling. The bowling <laughs> seems like like just bad vibes follow me. Maybe it's me. No, I think it's probably <laughs> you. I, I've never actually been to. Is you said you're near Anstruther, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just down from Anstruther, yeah. so I'm in the East Nook, as it's as it's known. Which whenever you say that to someone in England, they go what? <laughs> um, but yeah, but yeah, that's that's where I live. I've uh, been here for uh, 14 years now, I think. Yeah, 14 years. See, for me, I've never been to Anstruther, but it's this place that it's almost like up on a pedestal because my mum always talked about it when I was a kid. It's this amazing place, so I do need to go visit it at some point and either either disprove it or agree with it. <laughs> I was going to say, have you ever have you ever heard of the phrase lies our parents tell us oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> well you know there's a really good board games club in Anster that are held every second and fourth Sunday of the month I know that because I run it <laughs> <laughs> not at all biased shameless plug not at all biased not at all biased <laughs> <laughs> but, but on a shameless plug that is exactly what we're here for that's, that, that's point, what we yeah. do um, is, exactly and today we are talking about Tabletop Scotland which as of today is two weeks away Less than two weeks away from the start, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So it starts on the Saturday the 1st of September and finishes on Sunday the 2nd of September. And I will probably have no sleep between those two dates, but that's fine. Well, that's it. I've seen the, the times because uh, the reception is 9am till midnight on the Saturday and it's 9 till 6 on the Sunday or 9 till 8 on the that's Sunday? That's right. Nine, 9 till 6 on the Sunday. Um, and then we're, we'll still be on site, obviously, doing breakdown of the site and stuff like that. Wow. So. Yeah. So you, you'll be on the Monster Energy drinks then? <laughs> It'll be it'll be a combination of that and coffee and just adrenaline. Just the raw adrenaline, yeah. Sense. Yeah, exactly, well, it's, yeah. it's going to be really exciting. No, definitely. So, just a wee shout out to the unofficial sponsor of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, returning. That, that, that's, what I, that's what I need to keep me chatting. <laughs> I've, had, I've had all bottles and cans removed from me as well. I'm not allowed to open any drinks after the shenanigans on my last podcast. What was this? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know if you heard the last podcast or not, but we'd got through an hour and a half of all sitting in the same room, and I was sitting opposite Stu, and I noticed he had a big bottle of Pepsi next to him, but he kept the lid just sitting on top. He never screwed it on. Ah. And so he was drinking away absolutely fine. Stu's doing his sign-off at the end of the podcast, and Kev goes, with a bottle of Pepsi. <laughs> Three, three minutes yeah, of chaos ensued. Yeah, I could imagine. I could imagine that would have been well, not very good at all. You took it like a champ. You know, it, was, it was good fun <laughs> with the infamous quote, "Sign off, bitch!" At the end, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was unintentional. Yeah. No one believes me, but it really was. <laughs> so over to you, Dave. What is Tabletop Scotland? Tell me about Tabletop Scotland. Right. So, so what it is is it's a two D. A convention uh, focused on board games, card games, and role-playing games, and those three things maybe don't mean much to everybody out there. So I'll break that down a bit. Um, the convention is focused on being a family-friendly event for people to come around, come come along to it, and sit down and play games around a table with other people. Um, now those could be traditional board games because we will have some of them as well so yes we may have a copy of monopoly in the library <laughs> um but we will also have a number of other board games available within our library which are really good introductory games so there's the stalwarts of that category of ticket to ride pandemic and uh, as i look at my shelves trying to remember more of them forbidden desert um you know, king domino has become one that's fallen into that category more and more in recent in the last year um, we'll have lots of them, but we'll also have more heavy uh, strategy games as well, which I don't own any of because they're not my cup of tea, but lots of people do like them, including Duncan from the team. Um, and that's what we'll have as people walk in is that kind of games library and open play area that people can just go and sit and play games all weekend if they want to do that. In addition to that, we've got a whole raft of other things. So we've got role-playing games scheduled uh, throughout the weekend. I think it's 70 different tables of role-playing games over the weekend. Um, and that's always been my kind of first part of the hobby. Is So games like Dungeons & Dragons, games like Star Wars, games like Traveller, um, games like Call of Cthulhu. Well, I think it's actually Achtung Cthulhu. <laughs> it's Cthulhu and Nazis, so you know that'll be interesting. Um, and, and various other games as well. Um, we're hosting a um, what's called an epic event for D&D, Dungeons and Dragons, on the start of the night, which is one storyline crossing over eight tables, where the progress they make actually influences the the progress in the game. So if some tables aren't doing very well, it changes the narrative. It's really quite an interesting experience, um, and we're quite excited about that. First one in Scotland. Yeah. Um, and, and we've also got 27, I think it's 27, I'm going to have that number wrong, I'm sure, but 27 exhibitors. Uh, so that's a mixture of retailers, including uh, Stuart from Big Dog Books. Um, we've also got Common Ground from Sterling, West End Games from Glasgow, and Settlers from Hamilton uh, coming along as well to be retailers at the con. And we've got publishers and kind of game accessory makers and things like that who are coming along as well um specifically our sponsors uh, who have been fantastic are geek and son so if you're looking for a 
gaming table that is also a proper piece of furniture um, and is very, very nice. Uh, you can have a look at the Geek and Sun tables because they'll have two there and people will be able to play games in them. And we've also got uh, from our other sponsors are DMB Games who make Dungeon Train. Um, Andy's just produced a whole re- range of resin tile sets, which look fantastic if you're if you like using terrain for your role playing games in particular. Um, and Hexagony, which is an abstract uh, board game that won an award at UK Games Expo a number of years ago, and Gaming Enhancements, which is a, a local company who make accessories, so tokens and things like that for various board games like Zombicide and Pandemic. So yeah, we've 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 got loads of stuff happening, and it's kind of um, the kind of key bit for people who aren't familiar with this hobby is that we've got a family zone which is being run by Haba, who are if you're not, I don't know if you guys know who they are, but so they're the biggest publisher of family games in the world. They're coming they're coming over from from Germany to provide us with a family zone. Um, and we've got over 40 of their games. So they they worked for kids aged two and up. Perfect for um, me, then. <laughs> well, well, if you've never played Rhino Hero, I would highly advise that you try Rhino Hero. It's hilarious fun, uh, especially with all ages. Um, and then we've got what we've coined as a gateway zone. So yeah. we've, we've created this, which we think is unique, um, across the, the kind of convention scene which is really for people who are completely new to the hobby but have bought a ticket and are just kind of wanting to explore it a bit more um and the gateway zone is really where we kind of take that and focus on that particular audience and say right okay what have you tried if you've played carcassonne as an example then okay here's two or three games that we can take you through yeah choose one and we'll take you through that and then we can leave them alone to kind of get used to it and then either set them off into the wilds of the convention or try something else and it's really trying to get that balance and trying to cater to the, the noobs but also trying to keep ab- their attention absolutely like from absolutely. The, the hardcore ones you know the guys that really ah, exactly stuff. i mean Exactly. I mean, it's it is for the hobby is quite diverse, yeah. I, and I consistently call it the hobby, <laughs> but it's actually like five or six different hobbies in one. Of course, um, you know. So, um, but it is quite diverse, and it can be quite intimidating mm-hmm. as well course, to get yeah. into. Um, so yeah, yeah. So that that's probably not covered everything. We've got seminars and a couple of live shows as well. Um, from on the Saturday night, we've got a Room One Hundred One event. Um, room D100 plus one, sorry, um, <laughs> um, uh, which is being run by um, a podcast in Glasgow called Unlucky Frog. So they're doing that. Uh, there's also a board game design seminar being run by Bez from Stuff by Bez. Um, there's a gaming accessibility seminar. So it talks about uh, color blindness and physical accessibility. So component sizes and stuff like that, which is really interesting being run by Michael and Pauline who run a a blog called Meeple Like Us, and yeah, that's that's kind of what we're doing. We're doing a mix of things. You don't have to play games all weekend, but you can play games all weekend. Um, and there's a bar, which is always important for some. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> I know some people would be very, very interested in that bar. <laughs> I, I kind of like the idea of the gateway zone. Yeah, it's brilliant. Because yeah. Even for me, I've had a lot of exposure to the these uh, the hobby, as you call it. You know, a lot of these yeah. games. You and I and uh, 
still attended the same war games club. You know, uh, we've school. got a little bit of experience yeah, with D&D and some tabletop gaming. And I've played some tabletop games with some of my friends. A Ticket to Rides. I played the, yep. the Firefly game. There's quite a few ones like that. But as you said, it's it's not the easiest thing for everyone just to get into. It's it's not quite as readily available as it should be for what is just tabletop gaming. You know, all you need is the game on a table yeah. and some people yeah. play it. That's it. Yeah. Um, but and I find like. For me, it's lots of information. Yeah. Depending on what you're playing, but there can be lots of information. So I would always go a fighter because it was the least amount of information I needed to retain. How do I punch <laughs> it? How do I stab it three times with my fist spike? You know, I'd be the, the old fit fighter as I called them. So I, I, I get with think teaching people like you know here's how you can ease yourself into it. And you don't need to learn all these spells or all. Start these... here. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 all of the role playing games we've got running, apart from I think four uh, out of the the kind of various tables, are accessible to new people. You don't need to know anything before you sit down at the table. Yeah. Just have so a willingness to learn. Game. Yeah, exactly. You just you just need yeah have have an open mind. If if the concept of the game has intrigued you enough to sit down, then that's great. Uh, we'll take we'll, we'll take you from there, as it were. <laughs> um, and yeah, I I mean like you're actually I I tend to play. Last time I played D and D, probably been a long time ago. But when I do, it's like a dwarf paladin because I just want to shout at people and and charge at things and you know yeah. smite things. That's kind of what I want to do. And I might use the magic part of it every so often, but it's primarily just the hitting things and shouting. That's pretty much what a dwarf paladin should do in my head. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a good approach. Like I just want to hit things. <laughs> I just want to hit things with yeah, a stick. Exactly. 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 Uh, so uh, Preferably a metal stick. Metal stick with spikes, preferably. <laughs> I like it. Um, so we talked about it before we started recording. Just want to ask again, what made you choose Perth? And I'm not doing it in a why Perth, Perth rubbish kind of way. That's why, that's why no. he's asking the question and I'm not. Yeah, basically. Right, uh, okay. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I mean, I find it quite an interesting story of why you, why you picked Perth. So the idea to do this uh, started about four years ago. I had people nagging at me saying, you should run a convention, Dave. You could run a convention, Dave. And I was like, okay, okay. So I started looking back then, but I couldn't find a venue that ticked enough boxes. I mean, it had to be logistically, you had to be easy to get there from public transport and by car, i.e. both bus and train, I mean, Mm -hmm. public transport. It had to have a certain cost model that worked for me. um, And it had to have a space that I could grow into. Um, not me physically, obviously, <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean. The convention could go into, um, and we couldn't find one as a team. I had a different team back then, and we we just couldn't find a venue. And then I kind of let it go in the back burner, keeping the idea churning over, taking notes, having thoughts every now and again because I I'm obsessive that way. Um, and then my wife, who owns a wool shop in Pitt and Weem called the Willy Brew, was at the Perth Yarn Festival or Festival of Yarn, um, I think it's called, it's run by Eva. Um, she was at that last year, um, which was at the Jura Centre. And she came home from that and said, and she probably regrets this, <laughs> uh, and said, you should go and have a look at that venue. Um, and I was like, what venue? Um, so I immediately went online and started Googling Jura Centre, found an old YouTube video of a walkthrough of the centre and also found one of the railway uh, kind of event that they have there, the model railway event they have there of the setup and I was like, yeah, that looks quite interesting. So I then mentioned it to three mates who are the team and John said, I go there every year with my dad. 
Now, John was in that John was in that team that I had four years ago. I knew I was looking for a venue and neglected to mention this particular venue. So uh, if Perth Tourist Board or Perth City, or City Council want to ban him from Perth, let's do it after the 2nd of September. After. Um, yeah. After, yeah, because I'll need him for the weekend yeah. at least. Um, <laughs> but the the uh, we went to see the venue and um, it kind of timed nicely with... Um, I had some time off work scheduled and, and things like that and... Um, went along to see the venue and chatted to Mary, who's the kind of events coordinator there, had a walk around. And the it's like the same experience that people relate to buying a house. You know within five minutes if you can live in a house when you see it. Yeah. I knew within five minutes that I could win a convention in this venue um, because it works in so many different ways. If we'd only been having, say, a 100-person event, then we could have fitted it all in the Ganachy, uh, which is one of the suites upstairs. Yeah. If we were going to have an 800, 900-person event, we could use all of the upstairs and the Strathairn Hall. Anything bigger than that, we need the other hall, and we're already talking about that for next year. Um, <laughs> but it just seemed to fit. Um, it's really ideally located. It's beside the railway station, pretty much, uh, pretty much in the centre of Perth. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the road network for Perth is perfect. You can get to Perth from pretty much anywhere in Scotland in you know a couple of hours, and you can get even from Newcastle and Carlisle in about two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of worked out almost. Perfectly, um, you know, it's <laughs> per, 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 oh, perfectly, yeah, it could be, um, but it's it's kind of landed nicely. It's a great location, and I have no idea why I didn't think to Google that in the first place. But never mind. Because nobody ever thinks of Perth. <laughs> Even people who live well, in Perth the, don't think of Perth. The, the, I, th- I think when when I ruled out Edinburgh and Glasgow, there was an element of well, maybe people wouldn't go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and what I found, I mean, I. I'm, I run, as I say, a club in Anshuler, but I'm also in the committee for an art club in Dunfermline. Um, and we ran, or I ran, uh, an event for International Tabletop Day last year. And we had almost 80 people at that. And that kind of fueled the fire a bit for me to go, yeah, if I can do that with no effort whatsoever, what can I do? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with, with a better venue, a bigger venue. Um, and then I started looking in Fife, thinking maybe there's something that I can kind of fudge but no, no, there wasn't. That kind of worked for me, for what I wanted uh, for the checklist, and it was a considerable checklist. <laughs> to be clear, to be clear, I'm a project manager by trade, right? So everything has a list. Uh, lists for lists of lists. <laughs> exactly, and spreadsheets, lots of spreadsheets, um, and and other things as well. I don't run my life of spreadsheets, just my, what I'm when I'm working on stuff. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, when when we saw the venue, it was great. It just and the team there were really they wanted us there. It was obvious that we could work together, which is always it's half the battle, yeah. you know, because um, some of the venues I spoke to in Edinburgh just weren't really interested in having us, um, which is just like, okay, I so won't we'll take give you my money. Well. That's fine. Exactly. <laughs> I, 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 will, I will not be giving you my money. I will give you my money to someone else. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of worked out really well. And in some respects, it, I think it's better that it's not in Edinburgh yeah. or Glasgow because... As, a, as, a, as, a, as you said, we talked about this briefly beforehand, but we've we've got people coming from Nairn, from Wick, from uh, well, pre- 
pretty much every coastal point in Scotland, including um, uh, someone's coming from Shetland Islands as well. He happens to be a friend of mine, so that's probably why he's coming. But but he's still um, going <laughs> to be there. But then you kind of look south, and we've got people from um, Nottingham, Sheffield, Brighton, London, um, Kent. Um, we've also got uh, two people coming from France and one person coming from Germany. And it's just like, my goodness. Yeah, it's a huge um, wide net of people to bring in. It's, it is really it is. good like, for, it is. for yourselves and for Perth, of course, to have all these yeah, people exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and I think that's that obviously then gives us a challenge next year because I believe that almost all the hotels are full. So, uh, oh <laughs> but, that, but, but that's a conversation that we can have for next year. Let's not think <laughs> that, about that's that. Just a, that's now. a future problem. It's a future problem, yeah. It's a good problem to have, of course. But it's, a, it's, but it's a future problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got our own, our own Barg the Ogre, Stu. He's coming up from Cambridge for the event. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, he'll be there. And he's bringing his kid. So <laughs> he's bringing Alex, who's just, who is 18 months. Good luck to everyone. He describes him as the mini kaiju, so that maybe gives you a bit of warning there, Dave. <laughs> um, but he's in 18 months, so this will be his first convention. So, Fantastic. So Fantastic. It's, it's a nice moment for Stu. Uh, it was one of those things he just kind of dropped on us as well. I think it was actually during the last uh, recording I was at as well. He just, oh, by the way, I'm going to be at Tabletop Scotland. And everyone just kind of turned and looked at each other as if to say, wait, did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, I was Thanks for telling us. <laughs> but it's, perf- it's kind of worked out perfectly because the, the timing was unfortunate for me because I'm going to be out in an adventure, not cooking meth. Yeah, in, protest in, obviously, in obviously. the middle of the desert so Stu can somewhat take my place I know this it's a struggle but I'm sure he can just about manage yeah. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> with 18 months in total <laughs> yeah. it's the same height as me so it's absolutely fine I feel like I'd be there anyway just slightly more destructive maybe uh, so no. <laughs> so like you were talking about, you know, you had the, the 80 people coming to your event with absolutely no effort. And I think that's what we're seeing is like sort of tabletop gaming, especially it's having a bit of a resurgence these days. Um, how much of this do you think can be put down to some exposure in the mainstream media? So like say Stranger Things or even like Big Bang Theory and yeah. things like that, you know, where start, I would say starting from the sort of the, the IT crowd, if you will, that sort of geek culture became... Uh, it's n- it's not quite just that niche anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it turns yeah. out this stuff isn't actually just for complete dweebs. And, you know, yeah, no, <laughs> people absolutely. actually do play these games. It's not just geeks you see on TV shows in America who live in basements. Yeah. Even though Stranger yeah. Things do kind of paint them that way anyway. Just, yeah. <laughs> but that that's the that's kind of the cliche of it though. It's and that's yeah, and in the fact yeah. that's set in the eighties as well. Yeah. That's maybe just exactly that's where it what came from. Happened. Yeah. You're out the way where you're not bugging your parents because they're trying to read papers and watch TV, you know. And I think I think you're right. There is there is certainly a more it's more of kind of more of a conscious level uh, through media in general, whether that's TV or YouTube or whatever. Yeah. Um, for particularly D and D, I would say because Stranger Things has obviously had a big aspect of D and D within it, but yeah. Um, the the Wizards of the Coast team have been pushing D and D through video shows like uh, Critical Role, yeah. uh, which is huge. It's ridiculously huge through the Geek and Sundry channel. In fact, I think they're now on their own. Yeah, I think they broke off on their own. Thing, yeah. yeah, and then obviously Will Wheaton did his uh, tabletop show, which was about playing board games. Um, and, and that really kind of had a... 
direct impact on certainly game stores in the states where products they're actually seeing um, people going in and buying these products that have sat on the shelves that they absolutely they had their absolutely. core audience but there was there was no demand outside of that so yeah and, and I mean, what what i see from from a club level is i mean we've got a group of kids and i mean kids who come along to play D at the board game club i run in anstruther um and they they got into it through stranger things yeah. so there's a direct correlation there um and we find that through a variety of kind of contacts that i've got that yes people are are getting into it because of these shows but I mean, I'm I'm now 45, and I think what we're finding is there's a lot of people who used to do this, um, who are now getting back into yeah. it as well, mm-hmm. and they're bringing their kids with them, as it were. Yeah. Um, so that kind of second or even third generation um, gamer um, is is happening as well. Um, one, of, it was it was one of the things that when we were speaking to, um, I think it may have been Perth Council. Uh, but we're speaking to somebody about this, and they they were actually saying that it might even just be as a direct re- direct kind of response to the amount of time uh, people spend looking at screens. Yeah. And I and I think that's probably part of it as well. Mm-hmm. But given I spend probably eighteen hours a day looking at a laptop <laughs> screen, I'm probably not the best example of it. Um, <laughs> um, maybe not eighteen hours, but you know what I mean. Not far off. Um, <laughs> not far off. It's certainly not right now. Um, but the but yeah, I I think the. The access to these things is becoming more and more easier. I mean, in, in Scotland alone, we've got, and I actually had to compile this because we've included a, a breakdown of all of them in the in the convention booklet, yeah. but, and I can't count just now. So let's <laughs> just say there's 27 of them. Um, I think there's 27 game stores in Scotland, and obviously then you include Waterstone's stock. stock they carry their stock as well, yeah. You know, they, and this, in fact, sometimes they'll carry D and D books as yeah. well. Um, the very fact that a mainstream retailer like that has them on their in their high street stores is a sign. Mm. Um, what the, where that sign will go and how publicly mainstream these things will become, who knows? But I think they are more widely available yeah. than than they've ever been. Um, even when I was younger, and Games Workshop used to be not a Warhammer shop; it used to be the hobby shop yeah. where you would buy all these things. Um, so yeah, I, I think realistically speaking, the the amount of conscious awareness of this, perhaps even because of shows like Game of Thrones, yeah, um, fantasy in general, well. exactly, fantasy you know, in general. People want yeah. to get involved with that kind of thing. Yeah, and and, and in the states, it's. I mean, you, you've mentioned Big Bang Theory, and and yeah, that has an impact on it. And then you've got people like Kirsten Bell, who uh, at the Oscars, as part of the after-show party, they were, they sat down to play Settlers Catan. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And it's just like okay, and then I remember. Uh, well, I think it was it, was it the last World Cup or was it the last um, Euro Championships? I can't remember. But um, uh, Jan Vertonghen, who still spares, plays for Spurs, and I'm not a Spurs fan or really a football fan, but he took a photograph of his kit that he took with him uh, to training, and it included board games. That's absolutely fantastic. Game yeah. And I was just like. I now support Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Belgian fan just by default. <laughs> just because he's taken that photograph. But it is, but you know, I, I think there is that element of not just that it's more visible, but it's also, I, and maybe this is the bit that's mis- misrepresented, but people are more comfortable talking about yeah, it. Yeah, it's that's well. shaking that stigma of the, the yeah, ogres hiding exactly. in their basements playing exactly. D&D. You exactly. know, it's, exactly. you're now actually seeing personalities that people see on TV, on playing sports, 
the people that you wouldn't right. normally have thought before that would play D and D or board games or that. It's it's shaking the stigma really. Yeah, right. and I think exactly. that's a general kind of culture thing in yeah. society at the moment is that people there, there's this sort of it's all it's a bit of a push with a bit of resistance to um, or reluctance, <laughs> but it's people are becoming more almost the, like to quote the Great Showman, "This is me." You know, yeah, it's that kind of, yeah, exactly. So people are saying, "Well, I like yeah tabletop games. I I like playing Xbox. Maybe not so much that because that's always been fairly sort of socially acceptable." Yeah, vid- video games are that kind of middle ground where everybody had access to like video games, but it was completely different to play essentially the same game just in a board, like, yeah, in exactly. a physical fashion. It. it was so weird. It always always baffled me. Cause, like we would receive. Passing comments, shall we say, from people when we were on our way to our war games club. Mm-hmm. But then these same people that were making these comments would be playing the same video games with me, like hack and slash adventure games. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. you know, this is this is all this is really. We're just we this, we just the same it. thing. We use our imagination rather than a TV. Exactly, you know? exactly. Yeah. It's just using a different medium to do it. Exactly. That's all it is. And and I mean, I mean, yes, things like console gaming is very public mainstream um but even if you go back to the 80s or even the 90s when most people had like an amiga 500 or atari st uh that was quite geeky back then you know it was it was geeky to have that um and then and then when consoles kind of took over and even pc gaming and you know late late 90s into the 2000s when you see it really take off yeah Exactly. I mean, I, I used to do Quake. I used to play Quake online and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I don't have that kind of free time anymore, but I used to do all that. Um, and it was great fun. Um, but, you know, I my default position is I'd rather sit around a table and play a game with some people. It's much more social. Uh, where, you can actually, yeah, where, you can talk yeah, to people. Whether it's people I know or well. not. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. You can. You, it's, it becomes much more social yeah. then. Um, and just... By its very nature, you're you're sitting, you're chatting, you're having a laugh, and you're playing a game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that, that, that that works for me. That's why I do it. Put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 the board game collection certainly suggests that I that I, sh- I really like it. But never mind. It's not well, that's kind of, it's kind of an important thing, you know. You've got to like what you do because otherwise, yes, what's the point? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, exactly. And that's that's why we do this. Yep. That's why we're doing the podcast, and because we enjoy it. I do this because he knows where I live and, you know, there's no threats made. <laughs> this bit will be redacted from the, the podcast, no doubt. No obvious, 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 obvious. <laughs> I want to send a warning out there. <laughs> oh, dear. So, we, we've mentioned Dungeons & Dragons a few times uh, back and forward throughout the podcast. It's obviously the biggest name, really, in the field of tabletop and RPGs. But is there any others that you yourself think that people should be paying more attention to? Or is there, like, a newer one that people should be playing more or talking about more. So role playing specifically, I mean, I'm I'm a D and D fanboy, yeah. so I I have to put my hand up and say <laughs> that. So it, it it is it is I've played every edition of D and D since it came out, and and four years ago I went to the states to a convention called Gen Con, and Duncan at this point will be going. He's mentioned Gen Con again, <laughs> um, but never mind. I have um, to hear that story one uh, more time. Uh, <laughs> And John, John will be John. Will, John's head will be bleeding because we're banging it off the table. But never mind. Um, but yeah, I, Thanks for I, was, John. I, I was there. I was there this year as well, just to point that out, which, which they hate. Uh, but never mind. I when I was there, fifth edition got released, and I went to play fifth edition. That's really. I mean, I went because it was Gen Con, and I'd just done forty, and I was obviously having the midlife crisis. So, um, <laughs> so buying a sports car, you went and played some board games. 
Exactly, and my, and my wife said yes. Much more constructive, that's really, I think. That, well, that's really important. There, there's the key thing. His wife said yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you can't have the park, but you can go to other games. <laughs> exactly, for a week with mates. Um, but but fifth edition's great, and I just want you to kind of get that out there. I think it's the best version of D&D that's ever been released, and as I say, I've played all of them, and it just feels so accessible. But um, other RPGs, so I would... Um, Given we've talked about Stranger Things, there is a, an RPG that's been produced by a Swedish company whose name I forget. Uh, Something no, in Free League, Free, Free League Publishing is the name of the company. I just remembered it. Mm-hmm. And they, they make a game called Tales from the Loop. Um, and it feels very Stranger Things-like. That's um, it's been It's been distributed in the UK by a company called Modifius, who also make a variety of other role-playing games, including Star Trek Adventures. Um, and... Um, other ones, Conan, I think. Um, yeah, um, but they, but there's, there's that many different RPGs out there just now that it's actually quite hard to say this like is this the one, one yeah. that, I, that I would recommend. I mean, I, I would always recommend people play D and D if you like fantasy. I point people at D and D. There are plenty of other fantasy RPGs out there. There are, and and Dungeon World would be another one. Pathfinder, which is uh, kind of. Um, kind of second cousin once removed yeah. <laughs> of D and D. It's 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 very it's also very popular and yeah. it's getting a second edition which is coming out next year. I think they're playtesting it just now, um, and it is very popular. It's very popular in Scotland for that matter. Um, and there's but there's lots and lots of RPGs out there. I'm one of the ones I bought recently is the um, these Edge of the Empire, which is a Star Wars RPG that came out from Fantasy Flight Games. Uh, they brought out an R2 as well. So Edge of the Empire is a kind of a smugglers and bounty hunters one. Um, and then you've got Age of Rebellion, which is your Rebel Alliance versus the Empire one. And then they've got, and I've forgotten what the last one's called, Force and Destiny, I think, uh, which is your Jedi one. Um, and Star Wars, again, it's probably been one of these constants throughout my life. It's it, I, I really enjoy running that. It's it's a really good game, quick and easy to run. Um, the dice are a bit weird because they're not normal dice, but they're really easy once you get used to it. I think it's actually one of the best dice mechanics. You, you do tend to find that with these kind of games as well, like, especially if there's something a bit different, like how you roll the dice, which dice you roll. Yeah. A couple yeah. of a couple of rounds, a couple of games before you know it you know exactly what dice you need to roll. It's not a case of, oh, I need to look that up, I need to find this. Where's my D7? Yeah. <laughs> some nonsense like well, that, that. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> and and, and I, think, I think, in all honesty, just even the fact that there are dice that aren't a, a six-sided dice, yeah. to a lot of people coming into the hobby is a bit like, oh, what, what, what do you mean what a are D20? these weird ones What's for? What's a D20? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And well, why do you just call it a D6 rather than a six-sided dice? Well, that's Cause it. it's, yeah. And then you, you get know, the, the three uh, four-sided, you know, the little... Yeah. Like, yeah, the one that if you stand on, it's not very nice. And then, <laughs> but then that... Um, the Star Wars R2 game has a two-sided dice. It's an R2-D2. <laughs> so it's a coin. <laughs> yeah, basically. You flip it. You don't know what. I really didn't want to take him on on that. <laughs> he's, he's sitting here grinning. He's so happy with himself. <laughs> I resisted um, the urge. And then he yeah, came in he here did. and just, I'm not having that. Oh. No, I don't. What's resisting the urge? What is this thing you talk about? <laughs> Self-control. <laughs> I know it's lost but, on you. Hashtag dad dogs. But, but, the, but, but there are lots and lots of RPGs out yeah. there. And, you know, it's it's the sort of thing that you can quite easily get lost in it. But it's having, I mean, having game stores um, 
to help you with that is always important as well, I think. But I mean, there's so many different review websites out there and blogs out there that you can get some guidance if you're looking for something. For me, if you like fantasy, I would always go to D&D. Start, and it start with D&D that... and then yeah, feel your way yeah. out from there kind of thing. Yeah, and, I, and I've used it to introduce people to the hobby for, for years. Yeah. And, 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 and it works. It works. It's why it's as big as it is, because it can be exactly. user, like, exactly. very user-friendly. Anyone can pick it up and start playing. But then people yeah. who've been playing it for 20 years can just as easily get lost in some epic adventure, as you said. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's... But I think that, that that's where I would start with, with role-playing. For board games, uh, the problem with board games, and it is a problem, is that there's something like 4,000 4, new board games released every yeah. year. Right, so it, it, in fact, at Gen Con alone, there was 650 new board games released, and I think at Essen, which is the kind of German equivalent, uh, there's going to be about 800 released, and it's just it's it was Kickstarter. Nuts. It's just mental. How many variations um, of Monopoly can you get? <laughs> well, given that Warhammer Monopoly was announced just recently, yeah, it just it never ends. Uh, yeah, it, it, it never really ends. It can, never you ends. Can stick anything in front of Monopoly, and there's your new Monopoly. You game. I've got a South Park version myself. You know. <laughs> So there's Monopoly is one of those ones that's never going to go away, despite breaking families for for however exactly. long it's been exactly. out. You know? Exactly. Um, exactly. One board game that I found so easy to pick up and play was one that I played with my friends, uh, Ticket to Ride. You mentioned earlier. Yes. And yes. either the European or just the standard, they're just they're so easy but so competitive as well. And before you before you know it, friendships are ruined instead of families. You know. It's, but that, that's one of my things, one of the things I like about these kind of games, like board games and RPGs, and that is that social aspect of it. And you can actually see the devastation in someone's face when you block the route. <laughs> um, and and t- Ticket's really good. Uh, the, the European, as you say, the USA ones are good. I've also got the UK map as well, yeah. which introduces kind of technology to it. So you have to upgrade your trains <laughs> or you upgrade your technology to be able to get into Scotland. Um, that seems so backwards. <laughs> you have to upgrade before you can come to Scotland. No, 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 no. You need to go back to come to Scotland. What are you doing? Obviously, we've got more hills or something like that. Um, but the I think the, the, the brought out Ticket to Ride New York recently, which is cabs not trains yeah. which confused me when they announced it because i thought oh it'll be the subway system but no but i played the uh uk games expo in birmingham this year and it was great it was 15 minutes it was really quick it played like ticket to ride it felt like ticket to ride and it was fun and there you go that's all you need as you said yeah it's, it's so easy just to sit down and play you know you mean you can make a game drag out for hours if you yeah. really wanted yeah. to but you can have it done really really quick and you can fire out games really really quickly it's it's a good laugh as well. Yeah, <laughs> that kind of sneaky tactics element to it. You know, if you want to, you can forge alliances. And, you know, you can I, can. I won't block you. I'll block him instead, and you can have that route. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. How long that lasts? Yeah, it never lasts. <laughs> <laughs> it never lasts. But, but at the same time, there's there's lots of games out there which are if you don't want to have confrontational or falling out with your family and friends, you can play cooperative games. Mm-hmm. I've never played any of those. <laughs> <laughs> By that you mean you have, but you've not been cooperative. <laughs> yeah, he knows you so well. <laughs> I mean, a game like Pandemic, which is actually one of the events we've got. We've got a game, yeah. an event at the convention called Pandemic Survival, which um, so Pandemic, for those who don't know, is you're playing, you're working together to 
eradicate disease from the world, which sounds very noble. It is. Um, but the the game is built on the premise that there's four ways to lose and there's only one way to win, right? And a lot of cooperative games kind of follow that mould. The difference with survival is the deck's rigged against you. Yeah. So if you make the wrong decision, you're out, pretty much. Uh, we did a trial run of it uh, about six weeks ago uh, with six teams, I think it was. No, it was four teams, uh, and um, three, two of the teams were out after the third turn because they just because <laughs> the disease just spread everywhere, and they had outbreak after outbreak, and one of them actually ran out of one of the colours of cubes, which basically means you lose uh, because that disease is out of control, and it's just like wow, that's really hard. So I'm quite looking forward to seeing how people respond to that because it's quite stressful. Mm, I, was, I was actually I've been meaning to ask you about pandemic because I played a, a similar um, mobile game version of that where I, it was instead of trying to cure the disease you were the disease so you had to kind of change yeah. your, your upgrades like, as the disease evolved was it um, plaguing? No. You, you had to like you evolved yeah. your disease you chose which paths it went towards so whether you were bacterial or airborne or whatever and right, right. if you didn't get into Madagascar early you didn't win basically <laughs> that, you had to start in Madagascar or you couldn't win that game because the, the world just shot everything off to Madagascar so I was, I was interested to see what whether you were playing as like people trying to evolve this disease or if you were tried to cure the disease before it killed everyone. So so there is a version of Pandemic called Pandemic Contagion, yeah. where you are the disease, and basically your objective, and it is competitive, yeah. your, your objective is to kill as many people as possible. Sounds like my game. Um, <laughs> um, and it is fun. Uh, I, I used to own it, I say used to, because I've I kind of got a rule that if I've not played a game for six months, it probably gets moved on. Yeah. Um, and because I have too many games, uh, there are a few games that currently sit in that category. Um, so it, it, it's the sort of thing that you... Pandemic Contagion is, is a lot of fun, and I, I'd happily play it again. Um, it just doesn't stay in my shelf, unfortunately. Um, but, but yeah, the, I think the, the cooperative game is something that I particularly enjoy as an introduction to the hobby, though, as well. Yeah. Because it's quite an alien concept that people go, oh, wait a minute, right, okay, I don't need to worry about losing. Uh, I just need to work to work with other people. Just need, I'm like, just yeah. need to not die first. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and and that that works really well, I think, because the the same guy who did Pandemic, uh, Matt Leacock, did a game called Forbidden Island, and uh, which has been in Waterstones and places yeah. like that for years, uh, and then he did Forbidden Desert, and he's got a new one uh, which I picked up in the states called Forbidden Sky, which is fantastic. It's a great fantastic uh, cooperative game really really tense um but a lot of fun and the, it'll be getting demoed at the con as well so i'm quite quite keen to see how that goes down because it's got a rocket ship that lights up if you if you win it <laughs> and, 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 and genuinely the joy i felt when that rocket ship lit up the other week it was fantastic <laughs> Just, just imagine that they're like some little kid just watching this rocket ship the entire weekend, waiting for it to light up, and then we're like, wait, oh. light up. <laughs> the ship just when everybody fails. Well, that that can happen. Yeah, no, no absolutely. Such is life. What's up, Fair City Podcast? This is Chris and Dan from Fresh Talk. Check us out at freshtalkpodcast.com. That's right. And if you had any idea how long it took me and Dan to do that bumper, you would actually probably never listen to us. It's totally true. Get him, Stoby. Um, when you were talking about the, the con earlier and you were talking about the, the epic game you've got going across eight tables, yeah. I've been sitting just trying to work out the sort of the mechanics of how one table's game can influence the other. So will it like will it be a case of 
periodically the eight DMs will get together and discuss what's going on and then split back out and run the game. Kind of. Based <laughs> on that. Yeah, so we're going to screw so it I, over this way. <laughs> well well, so what so the the only experience I have of playing in one uh, was 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 in the States four years ago when I played in one that that had one hundred tables, right? So that 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 was that was fairly intense, but the one that we've got is obviously only eight, mm-hmm. but it's still eight. It's, it's uh, still the way it works is you have, yeah, you, yeah, you have um, essentially spare DMs. Uh, they're not running tables; they're checking on progress. They're also floating NPCs that will kind of wander in uh, and talk about certain things, or non-player characters for those who don't know the acronym. <laughs> um, but and they'll kind of get involved. But there are checkpoints throughout it where. If the players haven't made progress in a certain direction, then the tide can turn in a certain direction. So the example I'll give was the one when I was at the States was we were fighting a horde of orcs and there was a green dragon that was trying to get into the the castle that we were in. Um, And if the tables, the quantity of tables didn't make enough progress against the orcs and the goblins and various other things we were encountering, and didn't and didn't manage to demolish ballistas and things like that that were in the castle grounds, then the dragon would land. Now we didn't manage to achieve that at all. Um, in fact, some tables, half of them were dead uh, by halfway <laughs> in the thing. Um, so the dragon landed, and you think, okay, that's that's quite interesting. But what then happened was the strongest heroes from the tables were summoned to fight the dragon. So the parties that were left suddenly were diminished as well. And another table was created, and these other heroes were taken to this table to fight the dragon. And it was it was really really impressive to play. There's a part of me that wished I, I was just a spectator for it, so I could have walked yeah. around it and just kind of picked up how it all went. Mm-hmm. But it was a lot of fun, and and I think the the people who we've got coming to this will have a lot of fun, and the the team that we've got running it are are great. I'll give a shout out to Greg Foster who runs a lot of the D and D. Highlander Games in Dundee and uh, Ross from West End Games in Glasgow they've been kind of pulling this together getting the right people uh, for us to run this people they know basically and um, I've also tapped into a few people I know down south who, who run events at UK Games Expo and we've just really been trying to get this to be as exciting an event as possible and I'm I'm excited if I wasn't running around like a headless chicken, which hopefully I won't be. <laughs> uh, I've, I've, I think you'll find me in that room kind of watching it uh, if I'm not running around because I'm quite excited. And going on the sort of the shout out she just gave to people from different companies, and we've talked about it already, but seeing so many exhibitors, including Perth's very own Big Dog Books, yep, seeing that in attendance is fantastic. Is there one guest you would just love to bring on board for this? Like, like your Spurs players, for example. You know, <laughs> yeah. Did you invite him? <laughs> I haven't invited him, actually. Now you mentioned it, maybe I should. He might be a bit busy. Uh, I don't know if Spurs are playing that weekend. Um, That's not important. Choose think... <laughs> <laughs> your loyalties, man. They, they've got Harry Kane, haven't they? That, they're fine. <laughs> Just give the ball to Kane. doesn't matter who else is on the field. <laughs> um, I think the where, where we started from was we... We looked at the fact Duncan and from the team has been kind of at the centre of this with with me kind of throwing hand grenades every now and again. <laughs> um, we had a list of twelve companies that we wanted to have there. And then we had another list of about twenty five, and then we had another list of you know let's just see if we can get them. You as did well. see like lists. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. So twelve was the target number of exhibitors. That's what we wanted to have. We've ended up with twenty-seven. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it, we've 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 probably outperformed what I thought we would get. Um, maybe it was being too cautious. There were a couple of companies that said no, and that's fine. Of course. They said no for the right reasons. Well, their reasons, anyway. We'll, um, we'll wait and see. Come back to us next <laughs> year. Um, yeah. Well, and, you know, we will speak to them next year. Have, have we missed out anybody that we that we wish we had got? Um, no, not really. I'm, I'm really pleased with what we've got. Um, sure, I would have wished that one or two of them who will remain nameless <laughs> um, had said yes instead, but the fact that we've got 27 exhibitors covering, you know, all aspects of the hobby, really. So we've got a role-playing publisher there in the case of Belgrade Press. So they make um, 13th Age, which is a D&D third cousin, twice removed. <laughs> um, and um, But they also make lots and lots of other role-playing games, uh, particularly games powered by the gumshoe system. So uh, Nice Black Agents, uh, Trail of Cthulhu, um, and stuff like that. So it's very, very different stuff, but... Um, they're coming up, which is exciting. Um, we've got, you know, a number of other ones who are UK, sorry, Scottish-based, oh, in fact, UK-based designers as well. Um, four, five, I'm going to get this number wrong. Apologies, everybody, if I get it wrong. <laughs> I guess five Scottish-based um, uh, games publishers, um, who, are, who some of whom have fulfilled, who have completed Kickstarters for their games, yeah. but don't have the game yet, but they're supporting the con, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. They're coming on to demo their games. Um, who did we miss? Nobody. I'm going to say that I know who we want to get next year. That is the right answer. Prob- <laughs> that is the absolute best answer. That's a problem for next year, but I'm not thinking about that yet. I know who I want to get next year, and this time they'll say yes. I think. Well, that's it. Um, it's, it's a, as we've kind of touched on, it is a really fantastic lineup. And yeah. looking at it for it being the, the first year, and to have had such a huge number yeah. of people interested and willing to come and as you said it's been a variety of different companies of different sizes we've got companies we've got indie projects we've got publishers yeah. we've got accessory companies and covering all corners of it it's it's a really fantastic turnout and i think everyone should be really proud of the, the effort you've put in there it's fantastic yeah it, it really is it, it's, it's, it has worked too really well and you know I, even even ticket sales is working out really well because I'm, I'm just i'm looking at that number going up and i'm going okay okay that's that's more than i thought we'd get by now um but the response we've had has been fantastic um that's what i think want, if though, nothing yeah. else yeah but i think i think there's this element you made, you made the reference to the first year a lot of people have given us that response, so it's your first year, we'll wait and see how you yeah. get on, and then we'll talk to you next year. And it's like, okay, that's fine. I get it. Scotland isn't renowned for gaming conventions. Not yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <Watch this>. yet. <laughs> um, so let's see how we do. Um, and we've had, I mean, there's lots of games conventions that you can go to down south. I mean, okay, in Scotland, there's Glasgow Games Festival, which is on the 17th of November this yeah. year. Um, it's a one-day event. It's board game centric. It's it's basically a bunch a bunch of mates who got together who thought well, we'll have a big games day, and that's really what it is. It's really about coming along and playing games, which is great if that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. It's not what I want to do if I'm running an event. I wanted to have a variety of things. I'm a role player at heart. I wanted role playing as part of this. I, you know, I wanted some tournaments in it as well because people like competitive play. I wanted to have a good range of exhibitors. So we've got a good range of exhibitors. It's trying to give as many choice 
kind of decisions that people have to make. Mm. Um, you go south of the border and you've got UK Games Expo, third biggest convention in the world, um, which is no mean feat um, by Richard and Tony, and, and that's every June. And they've been fantastic help as well. Um, I actually had the... Um, so that before before we signed anything, um, I had a, an hour on the phone with Richard and Tony. Uh, while we were at the venue, and John and Simon and Duncan were walking around looking at things and measuring stuff and checking how many plug sockets were in a room <laughs> and stuff like that, um, because I wanted a list of everything. Um, but the um, Tony uh, basically tore me apart for forty-five minutes, which is perfect because he knows what he's talking well, about. That's, that's what you need. Yeah. You know, and and, and we, kind of, we kind of came out of that conversation going, okay, okay, it sounds like you know what we are doing. How can we help? And I was like, okay, right, I can relax now, um, and now I can ask you for all the things I need. Um, so, so I mean, they've been great support. Um, even just, I mean, I mean, they've got a mailing list. Obviously, I mean, their their convention's got twenty two thousand people that go to it. Um, and they've been mailing out to those people, telling them about tabletop Scotland, oh, that's good. which is which is Word great. Of mouth, yeah, of course. Exactly. So just just kind of getting their their support and their it could be all the difference. Yeah. Ah, yeah, and it has, and we've got we've got exhibitors directly off the back of that, and we know that. Um, but that then starts a bit of a domino effect, you know. Um, the the one I'm most proud of having though would be Haba, because having yeah. someone to run that kind of service. Is quite. It's not something that I would feel comfortable me and my team doing. We can do a, a gateway type service, but having something that's family oriented needs people. That's to that's what they're specialising in. There. It's it's not something you're quite as comfortable with, as you said. Exactly. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm happy to teach games to kids, but could I do that a whole weekend? Mm. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot. I mean, I, I as I say, I thoroughly enjoy games like Rhino Hero, but. Could I play that the whole weekend? Maybe not. No. Maybe not. Um, so, so you know, it's and it's it's trying to get, you know, a, a good kind of support from other cons as well. Um, so, I've mentioned the expo. The other two cons who have been of great help are Aircon, which is in Harrogate next March. Apparently, I'm going to haven't booked travel or accommodation, <laughs> um, but apparently, I'm going to. Um, but the uh, Mark in particular from Aircon has been a great help, and he's—they've been a model convention for us to a certain extent because they—they've come from nothing in four years, and they had seventeen hundred people at it last year, sorry this year even, um, and you know I think that's a good size for Perth if we can get there in two yeah. or three years' time, mm-hmm. that would be fine. I'd be quite happy with that. Um, at least for now, at least. Um, <laughs> um, and I think the other one is um, so we had a <laughs> we had a bit of a, a, a drama moment a couple of weeks ago where uh, the games library, so people can borrow games yeah. from us and play games at the weekend. And we the source of that library. Uh, we didn't want it to be any one of our collections because mm-hmm. just from an admin perspective, yeah. that would be a nightmare. So we contacted a guy who runs a pop up games cafe in Glasgow. And I met up with him last year and we sat down and Kenny was going to bring all of his games through. He's got 260 games or something like that. Just a few. Uh, just, a, just a few. Um, and it covered a good range of bases. The problem is that his games are stored in a building that are, that's next door to the Glasgow School of Art. Oh, no. 
With a fire, so, of course. So we can't get at his games. <laughs> um, so he, here's so, a little and, variety of games you can have, if you can get to them. <laughs> so what, what we did... But well, this we we have a solution. It's a great solution. It's a bit mental, uh, <laughs> but um, uh, one of the convention organisers and the, the con organisers talk a little bit. And but one in particular that I've I've built up a good relationship with uh, Darius, who runs an event in Kent. Uh, yeah, the one that's nearer France than it is anything else. <laughs> um, he he's uh, he offered to come up with his games, and I just thought. That's just nuts. It really is. Um, yeah. <laughs> but he's his missus said yes. So, well, I said to him, "Can you just go and speak to her and just make sure that this isn't just you being nuts?" <laughs> he's um, off, he, he now needs a place to stay and somewhere to put all his games because he's no longer <laughs> open. And, and that's under that. profile. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he's he's driving up on the Friday that's before fantastic. the con with. Him and, him and a couple of others, I wasn't letting him do it himself. Um, and so we're going to have a, a fantastic library of games there. And um, Darius is unofficially or officially, depends how you look at it, a legend. Because yeah. uh, it's the phrase that's, we that's continually use. Because it just it shows the, the passion, the, the desire that people in this community have to get these yeah. games out there, to get them played. And if, I, I, I dare say, if one person picks up one of these games that hadn't played it before, he'll consider that a success as, I dare say, you yeah. would. And yeah, that's, absolutely. That's, absolutely. The, that's the whole point of it, really, isn't it? To get it out there, get yeah, new yeah. people playing yeah, as well. And if you, think, if you think about it, right, so the, 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 I mean, I've talked about how we can, what, what, this isn't just a one-year thing. You know, we, we have a plan for next year. We're just not really thinking a lot about it just now, but every so often I chuck things into the melting pot and see what comes out. But the but I think that if people have a good time this year, which touch with touch with they will, they'll go back, they'll create more gamers just by spreading that yeah. knowledge mm-hmm. and that fun. Which then has a domino impact on Touchwood again. Uh, all the retailers in Scotland and elsewhere who then get that benefit and then next year we have a different problem because we suddenly have <laughs> more people. Um but that's a good but yeah, and I think that's kind of where, that's kind of the the kind of cycle that I can see this going through again, thinking positively. But let's just see. It's a problem, but it's do. a good problem to have. Yes. Yeah. But it's a it's a problem you can deal with later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, it's not a problem, problem for today. It's not a problem for today. Thank you very much. No. <laughs> and that'll be quite funny. I'm just thinking on Monday the third of September. You were saying earlier how quite busy you are. Monday the third of September. You're going to be sitting there like. What did I do? Now what? <laughs> what is this free time thing? <laughs> so, no, what you do is you go and sit down and you watch the sunrise on a grateful universe. Yes. Yes, no, I'm, I'm not Thanos. Thank you very much. No, um, no, no Thanos reference, please. Um, I might be a mad, I might be a madman, but I'm not a titan. Um, but yeah, no, you're. I think you're right. That is going to hit me. In all honesty, that is going to hit me because I've been running at a million miles an hour for the last three months, certainly. Um, in fact, GenCon was a holiday when yeah. I went there. When I went earlier this month, it was basically a time to switch off and relax and play some games, obviously, and drink some beer and eat some steaks and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, I think there is. I mean, we are we're in Perth uh, overnight from the Friday through to the Monday, um, so that we can decompress essentially yeah. on the Monday from and and then about a week later we'll we'll sit down as a team and go right, okay, how did that go? Yeah. What went well? What didn't go well? What do we want to change? Um, we already 
reserved the, the venue for next year. We already know, as I say, some stuff that we want to do. And the planning for that will kick in pretty much immediately. Yeah. But it will not be at the veracity that we've had. Just well, you'll, you'll want to get back at it quite fresh because, as you said, you'll have them all kind of stuck in your head. You know what's yeah. worked and you'll, you'll, yeah. you can still build on it from there rather than leave it six months and you're like, wait, did that work? I can't remember. Yeah, exactly. So, so lay, the, lay the groundwork nice and early. As you said, you've got a pre-boot, so we're, that's fantastic news again. And, and we know that we're going to have people coming to us going, so what about next year? What about next year? What about next year? And we know that. But we've already got people coming and seeing that to us. That's great, yeah. Um, which, is, which is great, but it's like, right, okay. Can we get this year out the way first? <laughs> <laughs> get this year out of the way first and then give us a couple of weeks, you know, just to kind of get our head straight on. A, and this is always the thing I said, um, I've said, I've said this so many times in the last six months, we might not want to do it next year. I mean, we will, right? <laughs> I know we will. But there's a part of me that thinks, you know, if if this goes horribly wrong, <laughs> you've and always I got to have it. that kind of almost yeah, caution there's... in your step. Exactly, yeah. it's it's like I would rather not say we're definitely Don't doing it next year, yeah. or, although we will be doing it next year. Um, but you know, <laughs> it's one of these things. It's just it's just like I'd rather, uh, yeah, I don't want to give a date or anything like that until we know yeah, that we're doing no, it. Absolutely. And I think. Having seen the layout, having talked about the, the different stuff that's going on, I think if anything goes horribly wrong, it will be compartmentalised uh, by the looks of things. So I don't think... Yeah. I think it's been planned out in such a way that it cannot touch wood be a disaster. So Why would you say that? You, you're doing it next year. <laughs> <laughs> that so you, you heard it here first, when it goes wrong, it's actually all these Dobby's fault. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but no, no, I think just more a compliment on the way it's been laid yeah. out and how much you're incompetent in that one event. I, again, I have basic knowledge of what's going on in the world generally and in the hobby. <laughs> in uh, the world generally. The world in general. <laughs> <laughs> um, and even I can tell that it is quite a wide variety. It's, it's quite a sort of spread out great... I, I think it's a great idea. It's fantastic, yeah. I, mean, I, I keep saying it, but it really is. It's absolutely fantastic. For me, one of the the, like the, the clearest instances of just how well tabletop gaming is doing is that we've got Perth's own Big Dog Books. I mean, we've we've had yeah. a couple of gaming shops that have popped up from time to time, and unfortunately, they, they never really lasted because it's not something, as you've said, that Scotland's really renowned for, but Big Dog Books yeah. goes strength to strength. It really, and it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah, got a really yeah. strong community of really, really friendly people, and it's it's great to see them going from strength to strength. Yeah. And it's it's all just this knock-on effect of just the resurgence of tabletop gaming and RPGs in general. Yeah, I mean, personally, I, I don't use Big Dog Books enough. I, I've only been in a couple of times, and I like what shame. I see. I know. <laughs> it is, it's pure shame, but I like what I see, and I like the fact that the first ones in Perth have actually combined the comic books yep. and the gaming yeah. it's always been one yeah. or the other and it's never really it's worked probably one of the reasons why they've managed to be successful in it because they've, yeah, they've got something else to yes, fall back absolutely on. yeah and, and one, of, one of the I mean I've we've had lots of meetings with Stuart just to kind of this is being this is happening in his city you yes. know it's that kind of thing so before before we went public we went and sat down with him and I was just like it, it was he has a great store and he's got he has got a great community and it is the sort of thing that you go right okay how can we help you as much as how can you help us type thing? You know, I, I, I want him to continue to be a success. I want him to grow. I want it to be, you know, a fantastic business because that helps me 
uh, being selfish about it at the same time. Yeah. Um, selfish so I think with also being selfless, though. I mean, you're, you're helping him help you. So it's Perfectly balanced. As all things should be. <laughs> exactly. There's, there's a cooperation there, where, which which has been great. And, you know, we 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 do things differently but everyone does things differently uh, i think i think what what we've what we've learned from working from working together essentially is that the more we talk the more we can both get out of this yeah. um so that if i can help him and he can help me then he's been i mean he's he also sits on the um the trade association in person yeah. so he's been doing a lot of the kind of chat with those people for us as well and he he kind of opened the door for a couple of conversations with Perth council which is also fantastic and all of these things are great it's just the same thing if we grow and if he if his business grows then that's 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 a win-win for him. Yeah, everyone wins yeah it'll be there when you they'll be back again when you run it next year <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> If and when. I liked it. I liked that. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so moving on to the next, I mean, because you, you've kind of answered a lot of our other yeah. questions. That so, Stu submitted a lot of Sorry. questions knowing that I don't know much about this topic in gen- like in detail. So Stu submitted a lot of questions which have actually been covered without being asked, <laughs> which has been great. <laughs> so I guess we'll just have to skip along to mentioning Stu again. He's, uh, we've mentioned it previously, he's coming all the way up from, well, basically nowhere it's Cambridge who goes there it's almost spans Perth come on and <laughs> um, he's really excited to get playing uh, I think it was Carcassonne uh, you mentioned that yes. earlier as well is there any game in particular you're looking forward to sitting down and playing or you think other people so, should be sitting down to play so you, I was going to say you think I'm going to have time to sit down how should you have time so I would I will well, I know I'm part of the kind of running of the Karuba event on the Sunday because John's told me I am. So, <laughs> uh, because he because he is running it and John and I are going to run that together. So Karuba is a game that I discovered about bleh, three years ago. It's produced by Haba. It's not one of their kind of kid games. It's it's definitely in the kind of strategy mold. And we've got a, what's called a mega Karuba game on the Sunday. Now. I always describe, perhaps unfairly, Karuba as Indiana Jones bingo. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the premise of, of Karuba is you have explorers on a beach trying to get to temples in the forest. And you do that by placing tiles. So there's a similarity oh, yeah. in Carcassonne there, right? right? But those tiles, you know, you can place it wherever you like. But there's a bingo caller in the game who draws a tile and says 13 or whatever the bingo phase for 13 would be. Um, and then everyone places tile 13. And But you can place it wherever you like. It's just, you know, you it's, 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 so it's the decisions the you make as a place player. These tiles, yeah. yeah, it's those decisions that determine how well you do. And that makes it really interesting as a game. Uh, but it scales really well. Um, because all you just need is more copies of the game and someone to call out numbers. Hence, John will be our Indiana Jones bingo person. <laughs> um, <laughs> whether, whether he's wearing any Indiana Jones clothes or not is to be confirmed. But, um, but well, yes. Well, that... a whip you could borrow if you really need to. <laughs> I'll not tell you what's been used for. I, I was going to suggest no. he hides in a fridge for a nuclear blast, <laughs> but okay. We're going for authenticity. Uh, okay. We're going not for nonsense. Well, well, I, I can't guarantee there won't be nonsense. Um, <laughs> um, but but I would recommend people trying it because it, it, Haba, the, the, the family's one will have it. The games library has got it as well. 
Um, and it's it's a fun light game that plays in forty five minutes, and that that's a right, that's a nice sweet spot for me. If I've got an hour left in a gaming session, I've, uh, I've got Kruba there. I'll play that because it's nice and simple. Mm-hmm. What else? I would definitely recommend people check out the demo zones that we've got. So uh, I've mentioned Forbidden Sky already. Uh, so Coil Spring, who are the UK distributor for it, they'll have that there. They'll also be running, um, also have a game called Raids, which is published by Yellow, I-E-L-L-O, I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, and it's it looks really cool. Um, I haven't picked that up, um, but it does look really cool. But they're also running tournaments, which are kind of turn up and play tournaments for King Domino, um, which was one of my favourite games of last year, which if you haven't played it, it's Domino's but with kings. Um, but no, it's a bit more than that. Um, <laughs> and then they've also got King of Tokyo as well, which is definitely one of the kind of gateway games for the younger audience because um, you're throwing you're throwing down dice and you're a monster rampaging in Tokyo. <laughs> what more could you want in life? Um, we actually may know the... someone who might be able to get involved with that. <laughs> 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 well, yes, indeed. Um, but we've also got Asmodee who are the the behemoth of the industry so they they own z-man games they own fantasy flight games they own days of wonder they own plaid hat games and also they are their own games publisher um they also now own all the mayfair game stuff now that mayfair are no longer with us um so they they're i think they've got a team of six people coming up to demonstrate their new releases so again i expect to see lots of new stuff there um, where that's stuff that's on my shelves that I picked up in the States or not, I don't know, but they, they'll they have stuff there. Um, but I'm also going to be lending the library some games that haven't been released yet, um, in the UK at least, because, uh, well, you know, I want them to get played. <laughs> uh, if it gives us something that people can come along and go, oh, I played that at, at Tabletop Scotland, first time in the UK you could play it type thing, yeah, yeah, then that's course. great as well. Um, <clears throat> and that's, but yeah, the, sorry, I was just going to say, that's what you remember about Gen Con, is that you played 5th edition there, for example, yeah. you know, and you, you yeah. make that association. Yeah. As well, yes. and that's what you want. You want those people to make that association, and be like, "So I'm going back next year to play." Or what are they going to have? For, what are they going to have for us for the yeah, first time next absolutely. year? Prepare yeah, for yeah. disappointment. <laughs> well, and you th- you think about a couple of things here. So the, the, a lot of this hobby, um, without being all airy fairy, but all this hobby is about memories and building kind of kind of emotional attachments to experiences and games. Playing D and D is a lot of fun. Yeah. But you're right. I, my memory of fifth edition is when I played the dwarf paladin, and I charged towards I know, it was a statue in a room, um, and I vaulted over the elf who was trying to sneak towards the statue. And I was like, no, no, I've sought this. This is not I'm, 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 this I'm, year. I'm, 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 I'm Scotsman playing a bard. So playing a dwarf paladin. <laughs> in America, I'm just going to charge, right? Why, why would I not do that? Um, and the looks of the faces of everybody in the table. I can, I can almost picture myself as a water Funnily enough, the guy who was DMing it was actually from England, so he was—he just kind of gave me a wry smile, and I was like, "I knew you did." You go. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 that was fantastic, and I loved that experience, and and that that memory stayed with mm-hmm. me, and. And and whenever I've wanted to play D and D since then, it's I'll go a dwarf paladin. Then. <laughs> Just um, see what I can do this time. <laughs> see what chaos I can create this time. Um, but yeah, I think in general, though, the most of the games that I own are ones that I keep 
uh, because I play them. But there are games as well that I haven't played for a while, but I keep because I really enjoyed the experience of playing it and I remember it being fun. Or it has and other kind of attachment. Yeah, you can't uh, part with a sentimental value kind of for, thing. For, yeah, yeah. For what, yeah, for whatever reasons, yeah. Or yeah, because I I, I'm just reluctant to get rid of it because I, if I know if I want to buy it again in three months' time, it'll cost me an arm and a leg. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, remember from the last time you <laughs> bought it. Yeah, and I guess yeah, there's I, kind of investment value to some of the games yeah. as well. Like you say, you know, uh, was it Mayfair games you said are no longer around? So any of yeah. their games, in theory, might... Who's to say five, six, yeah. ten years down the line? Yeah, you, 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 you do find that that certainly. I mean, there's a there's a thing within. Uh, I mean, I'm a member of far too many groups on Facebook for board games, <laughs> probably because I, I'm just shamelessly promoting the convention on the most. <laughs> um, but but exactly. But there's there is this kind of cult of the new type thing or fear of missing out type thing yeah. at times where uh, people jump on something because it's new and it's like okay, but. If I have to wait for three months for something to come back out again, because that's the print cycle, I'll wait. Mm. Right? And there's a game called Azul, which certainly fell into that category. And it's fantastic because it's an abstract game. There's no, well, there's a theme, but the theme's irrelevant. Um, it's about tile laying in Portugal. Uh, there you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's essentially a game about pattern matching and. Um, set collection and you're trying to create a grid which has a certain pattern in it and that's it you know there's nothing more to it than that but the game is actually really really good so rather than rather than paying ridiculous amounts of money for it when it was all when it was jacked up to a really high price i waited and then i picked it up and i got it for retail price pretty much and it's just like you know there, there's no need to do that but there are games that are rare. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. There are games that are rare that have an inherent value because they're out of print because you just can't get them. Um, and yeah, there are people who collect like that. I I used to collect comics years ago, and I used to uh, collect a couple of different things years ago as well. And I used to have some really quite rare stuff. And then and, and then life does that thing it does where you can no longer do the things you like. Yeah. <laughs> we, 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 well, kind of. We moved from Glasgow to where we are now, and I had this room full of stuff that I couldn't bring with me. Um, and it, and well, I made the decision not to bring it nah. with me. More precisely, uh, it was kind of like, right, okay, this all needs to go. How do I get rid of essentially four hundred role playing books and stuff like that? Well, I, I take them to a role playing shop and say, do you want them? Which is pretty much what I did. So it was kind of like um, it was. It's one of these things where you having that purge is actually quite healthy. Um, which is kind of I'm trying to not let my board game collection get above a hundred games, and that's which is not a small number, obviously. No, there's quite a few but, games. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a few games, but it could so easily get above that. It could so easily get above that. Anyway, I'm rabbit. <laughs> there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It no, saves no. one of us from doing it. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> So list here, I think we've pretty much covered everything. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, is there anything beyond Tabletop Scotland that you'd like to give a shout out to? Anything outside signal of boosting. the hobby? Yes, signal boosting. So signal boosting is something we try to do on every episode. I think we've done it for three and then Skip forgot the about two. it for the last three. Well, we were going to do it in the last one I was on, but then Stu started shouting at me and <laughs> it, was, it was a whole thing. He <laughs> <laughs> didn't really want to signal ask Signal boosting. Um, I... No, nothing specific, probably because I'm in tunnel vision mode here. Yeah, but yeah, I, think, I, think, I think I think I think the thing the to to keep in mind is that if if people are listening and are intrigued, right, where they come along to Tabletop Scotland or not, 
Um, if you go onto our website, there's a convention booklet which has a list of every single game store in Scotland in it. And by all means, just approach them and ask them the question of how do you get into this hobby? Can they recommend stuff? Because a lot of them do really good things. Um, and some of them do amazing things, if I'm honest. Um, it's it's really, that that's the best way of getting into this hobby uh, is to go into a game store. You can watch as many YouTube, you can watch as many YouTube videos as you like. You need to play them. You can, you, you need to yeah, play them. You're still and, missing and that social yeah. interaction as well. So, so what you're saying exactly. is like, if it's even just a, a passing thought in your head, you might want to play this. Go into that local geeky store that it was, yeah. wasn't cool to be in 10 years ago, but it's cool now. Go in yeah. there and speak to them. Say, oh yeah, I saw this game. I see you've got it here. How does it play? And you can bet there'll be people on hand to play it with you. And Absolutely, there will be. There will be. And, and, and it's the sort of thing that you can you can try. And, and, and in fact, the other thing I would say is if you if you don't like a game, it doesn't mean you're not going to like any of them. Yeah, of course. Right. Right, because they, there are so many different games out there that it's unbelievable. Um, as I say, four thousand or something. <laughs> it's a year. It's absolutely nuts. It's insane. Yes, it is. And, and Duncan doesn't have all of them, honestly. <laughs> um, See, you, like, when you throw that number out there, and it's it's such a weird thing because if you ask a hundred people in the street to name a board game, you can bet yeah. that most of them aren't even going to name any of the ones we've really covered. They'll go with your monopolies, no. your your buckaroos, your plunks, connect yeah. four. If you, yeah, I mean, yeah. But then there's this even, whole other side of it where it's like RPG type games. The upside down. The upside yeah. <laughs> down. I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. It's it, it, it's just the more people that get visibility of this, the better. I mean, the fact that Marvel movies are known better than Marvel comics is probably a sign in itself. It's, in a it's of kind of a sad you know. thing, but it's more easily it accessible helps. for some people, uh, for most people. Yeah, it's, it's, com- it's, comics yeah. aren't something that everyone can collect it's like, as we were just talking about and you know not everyone has the facility to collect comics yes. or to have or buy comics and the movies well they store a little bit easier especially now since you've got digital releases and you never actually own exactly. the film but you know exactly exactly it's, it's the, the market isn't it it is and and i think the a lot of the a lot of the board games, in fact, some of them are starting to move into that digital environment yeah. as well. Um, and yeah, there was, I walked past this, um, I didn't take part in it, but Catan, um, I don't know if you know yeah. Catan, but so, so Catan, there's a VR version of Catan coming <laughs> <That's> out. nuts. <laughs> which is nuts, and it looked nuts, but there was people queuing up to play it. Um, and it, it's just like, well, no, I'll play Catan on the table, thanks. Yeah. I don't need a it's, VR kit it's, for it's that. It's not going to be for everyone, but... You'll, you'll get no. just as many people interested in that because it's VR, because that's yeah. that's the buzz thing just now. You know, everyone's loving VR. And you can VR, guarantee that's why they're But then there'll, as there'll well. be just that's... as many people interested in it because it's VR that are interested because they want to play Settlers. You know, it's, exactly. it's, it's absolutely fantastic. To see, to see how much the technology is helping what is essentially the opposite of technology, though. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's so weird <laughs> to have them kind of leeching yeah. off of each other in a way. Despite being complete polar opposites, you know, sitting sitting down around a table playing Ticket to Ride, but it's being promoted on a somebody watching the the IT crowd we mentioned earlier. And don't know if anyone yeah. ever noticed it, but there's actually a copy of Ticket to Ride in the background. Yes, and yes, it it's just little things like that. Somebody might pick that up and be like, "Oh, that's a board game. Maybe I can play that." Mm-hmm. And it's absolutely phenomenal. Just technology has been a big part in. The, the resurgence that we keep coming back to. I just had a, a, a sort of great idea, and this is, uh, I'm, I'm a bit lost when you talk <laughs> about a specific game there, but you could have a system where 
you run games and you've got six 360 cameras around the table and people pay to VR in yeah. and join in where they're not able to around the thing. And, and you run yeah. the game on the table for them. Can and, it, and, it, can, can. And, and it's and essentially Catan VR is, is a bit like yeah. it. Um, um, it. It just, it, it's probably too too far a step for me i would i would i mean i'd happily play a digital version on my, on my phone yeah. or, or on my tablet or whatever but would i rather than going to someone's house or going to a venue to sit down and play it would i put in a headset and goggles and, <laughs> and play it See, what, probably not it, like like yourself and like most people that are really into the games or have been for 10 years 20 years whatever use people are always going to prefer the, the physical game the real game yeah. and the interactions but for the people that are coming in now the the next generation you know the new yes. kids who yes. already have all the digital stuff but they don't have the physical game now they don't need to have a table that can fit 20 people around or whatever and all the pieces exactly. And exactly. all they need is their goggles and their headset and everything which they already have and that's it. They can sit down and, as far as anyone's aware, they could be in Vegas playing poker with yeah. someone. You know, it's and and, and you extend that to I maybe mean, made reference to Critical Role earlier yeah. on. So a lot of people play D and D and other role playing games online. Um, there's a service called Roll Twenty. Yeah. Um, where and a lot of people stream these over Twitch and things like that. And it's and it's very much a, you know, it's it's a part of. It's part of the hobby now, so it's very much how a lot of people get introduced to role-playing games, because they work on the basis that there's nothing near them because this hobby's not popular enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the number of people that there's a Facebook group called Dungeons and Dragons UK. In fact, I think there's four Facebook groups called Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> anyway. um, but there's one there's one particular group that uh, I essentially stalk that group looking for people who use keywords like Scotland, Perth, yeah. Fife. Glasgow, Edinburgh, basically trying to or see if you can get them along, kind of thing. And actually, what I'm and, and the first protocol is not selling tabletop Scotland to them. It's <laughs> trying to find a club for them, trying to find a, a place for them to go and play the game. Yeah. And then, then I go in with, and if you enjoy that, you can come <laughs> on to Perth in September, um, because and we found certainly a lot of people who come to the club that I'm on the committee for in Dunfermline. There's a lot of role playing there. There's a lot of role playing there, and it seems to just be growing arms and legs all the time. Um, and it's not because Cthulhu's involved. It's just growing <laughs> arms and legs. There's more people coming, and it's just crazy, but good crazy. Yeah. Um, but the challenge with role-playing is that you need a DM. You need someone who's going to run the game. Yes, and do it uh, well. Having a, <laughs> a, well, yeah, 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 that helps. But, you know, having... And I think there's that intimidation aspect yeah. of thinking, you know, yeah, oh, you, oh, oh, I haven't run that very well. Well, actually, you know what? You've stepped up and run it. That's really that important. That in itself, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, because everyone has their first time in running a game. Um, I happen to do it probably, um, I'm thinking now, probably 30, uh, almost uh, 32 years ago. There you go. Because uh, I was 12 or 13 when I started game. 1985. Um, <laughs> there you go. Eight, well, probably four now, I think. About <laughs> yeah, but anyway. No, Adding <laughs> years on, I've been passing seconds. Yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you, I, I noticed that my, my beard was growing grey earlier. Let's not go there. Um, but, <laughs> but I think the thing with... Um, with a lot of this is it's just about finding the opportunity to play yeah. right and, and yeah. whether that's through a digital channel like roll 20 or or however uh, or face to face that's it doesn't really matter from a convention yeah. standpoint though obviously it's about getting as many people to that venue to sample and enjoy 
all of the aspects of the hobby that we cover. Um, so it's it's really about that. And I mean, I've got mates who have never role played before who are coming to this to role play because they want to try it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, similarly, there's people who I know who are exclusively war gamers, but they're coming anyway because even though we're not doing war gaming, they'll have fun. Yes. And that's that's key because it, that's what it comes down to. It is about having fun. No, absolutely. It's quite funny because like the the club we went to was called the War Games Club. Mm-hmm. But we never actually played any war games. It was almost it was almost exclusively like D and D role playing, you know. Yeah. Which which is absolutely fine. It's just that it was something that, as you said there, like, that all these different names for all these different things, and like it can be quite intimidating. We've touched on it earlier. It all be. the information, but sitting down and talking about it, and you soon get a handle on like what is what, you know. And if you enjoy you one do. aspect of it, like if you enjoy the high fantasy type. TV shows like your Game of Thrones and whatever, then D and D role playing could well be right up your street because you know you can, you can be Jon Snow and you can do whatever you want to do. Like your imagination run wild. Mm-hmm. But if you yes. if you prefer a more set routine type of game, then there's there's definitely there's going to be games out there for you to play. Yeah, yeah, and and similarly, there's a Game of Thrones board game, yeah, well, there's a Game of Thrones card game, there's a Game of Thrones. Monopoly. There's a Game of Thrones everything. <laughs> <laughs> you, did, you didn't need to mention Monopoly again. Come on. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, there is. Stop that. <laughs> um, but there, but there are um, lots of media tie-ins as well yeah. for all this, and it's it's quite easy to to do that direct correlation from you enjoy Game of Thrones, you'll enjoy the Game of Thrones board game. You won't necessarily. Yeah, of course. You know, game of, the, the game there's a Game of Thrones board game which is really really tactical, really really interesting. Um, but you need to be really interested in strategy, heavy strategy board games. Yeah. There's another one which is nothing like mm-hmm. that. It's quite light and simple, which you know. But there's you know you, you've got to know what you're. Well, you need guidance. Is kind yeah. of where I'm coming mm-hmm. from. Is so, and, and and the gateways one we'll have will be part of that guidance that we provide. And it's trying not to say you have to play this game because you like that thing. That's not what it's about. It's about seeing what. Well, seeing what will challenge yeah, what's, you. What's brought you here? What what interests you? Exactly. And then seeing, exactly. okay, I've got this game, let's try that. Yeah, yeah. and if it doesn't work, let's try We've this. We've got plan B. <laughs> you know? no. Yeah, because we do. Because yeah, we're going to have a library of 250 <laughs> games. <and> it's just... <laughs> There's plenty of plans in Some there, I'm sure. Some of these might smell like Kent, but it's okay. <laughs> Just ignore that. With a, with a whiff of France. It's like a whiff of France. Oh, dear. <laughs> we mean no offence. Absolutely not. No, I'm sure Darius won't. Or minimal. Darius won't, Darius won't take any offence to this at all. <laughs> I hope not. I, I just want to say now, Dave, you've been a fantastic guest on the, the show today. Um, where can people find you online? So me personally or the con? You mean the con? Both. Uh, <laughs> although, although I, I suppose you could mean the same thing there. Um, so yes, uh, the convention can be found at tabletopscotland.co.uk, uh, on Twitter, tabletopscot, on Instagram, tabletopscot, not entirely sure how we use that, because um, <laughs> uh, it's a mystery. But on Facebook, we're Tabletop Scotland. We also have a Facebook chat group. Um, which is called Tabletop Scotland 2018 Chat, I think. I've closed down Facebook to remove all the notifications Uh. from this noise track. (laughs) Um, And those are kind of the main media points, social media points. If you just want to drop us an email, it's info at tabletopscotland.co.uk. Or if you want to speak to me directly, it's david at tabletopscotland.co.uk. You know, the... The the kind of track that we've got between now, uh, what is it, it's nine... 
10 days until we arrive at the venue to start setting up. Um, yeah, it's going to be a busy end. Obviously, I've got a day job on top of this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you want to follow my ramblings on Twitter, I'm at uh, a second chapter which has got a backstory to why. Let's not go into that here. Um, but there's a whole... I kind of tweet primarily about D&D stuff um, and the hobby in general, but primarily about D&D stuff. Um, but yeah, there's the, the rest of the team can be found if you want to find them. <laughs> no, that's good. And I, I shout out to the rest of your team there. Was it John, Duncan and Simon? Well remembered, sir. Yeah. Well remembered. Uh, I've read it like four yeah. times on the website. So I'm just, to remember. He's got the page up on the other screen. So congratulate him. All he's managed to show here is that he can read. <laughs> hey, but you know what? That's that's still an important life skill. Uh, um, yeah, it's somewhat important. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, Duncan, John, and Simon are the the people who have kept me sane so far. Um, uh, where they'll manage to keep me sane throughout the weekend is debatable, <laughs> but that's why that's why my two brothers are helping out because Leslie and Alan. It's all Alan's fault. I'm into this. He introduced me to Redbox D and D back in 1983. It's all his fault. Um, <laughs> it's all his fault. It's all his fault, and he, and it's all Leslie's fault that I'm into comics as well. So it's you know, it's all their fault. <laughs> um, but they they are probably the only two people in the world that can make me go and sit somewhere quietly and make sure I don't um, collapse through lack of food. Um, because my wife will fail in that conversation as will, my, as will my mother and both of them are going to be there at some point over the weekend but my two brothers are there for the whole weekend and I'm sure that's because my mum's told them well and I won't and I'm not stupid but it's the sort of thing that like, time can yeah, get away I, from you though especially if you're really yeah, enjoying exactly. a game that you're in you know it's yeah. before you know it it's three days later and you're like why am I so hungry <laughs> yeah and, and that's the thing it'll be It'll be what it'll be as an event, and I fully expect everything will run smoothly. Uh, but if it doesn't, then I need to be, as do the other three, need to be available yeah, to respond. Yeah, of course, definitely. Making sure that we've got that. No, it's, it's been absolutely great chatting to you. So as Tabletop Scotland happened on the 1st and 2nd of September at Jewish Centre, go get your tickets from tabletopscotland.co.uk. And for clarity, tickets online stop at seven at eight o'clock on friday the 24th of august right. so that we can print and pack everything ah. we are selling tickets on the day uh, on both days you can buy a weekend ticket a saturday ticket whatever you like and all of the rpgs online uh, are only booked up to two-thirds or three-quarters depending on the size of the table of the number of seats so all of the rpgs will have seats that you can sign up for on the day as well so it's not a question of there won't be something for you to do. There's definitely going to be something for you to do. That's absolutely brilliant. Excellent. So, Kev, do you want to sign off? No, we're going to stay here a bit longer. Have <laughs> <laughs> a repeat of the last time shenanigans and ramble on for another 45 minutes. <laughs> well, you can find me at Kesagen on Twitter and also on my gaming page, which is at Fair City Gaming. You can follow my personal ramblings on my, my Twitter page or my many many misadventures and various games on my gaming page excellent thanks for that you can find us on all social media at fcpodnet you can also find us on the internet at fcpod.net and especially go give it a visit at the moment because Stu our resident 
D&D player, roleplay tabletop player, I don't know. He what, does like his rocket propelled grenades. Yeah. Yes, he's um, currently doing RPG a day, so he's firing off a rocket propelled grenade every single day and charting its success or failures. Um, so we'll visit that in the, the article section um, of the website, where he answers a different question every day based on his experience in role-playing games. It's enjoyable reading. I've featured in a couple of the stories as well, which is <laughs> which is great because I can't remember things. So <laughs> it's great. It's quite an endeavour to do that. I tried to do that uh, three years ago to do RPG a day. It's really quite tough. Yeah. To keep to it's keep it up. Finding the time to do these kinds. Of yeah. Things, sometimes it can, yeah. And, uh, I've noticed there's been a few times it's been like ten to midnight and he's posted that date. Like, <laughs> That's a close one, mate. What are you doing? Yeah. I, I think I think one year I just basically did it on Twitter only, so yeah. it was restricted to 144 characters. Yeah. and it was just like right okay that's all I'm going to do because I'm not going to be able to block this <laughs> yeah like, on paper it sounds like such a simple premise you know I'll, I'll post this uh, this day and I'll post that that day but as you said like before you know it it's this huge undertaking it can, it yes. can get quite quite taxing quite yeah. so yes. good on you Stu we do appreciate it uh, and just want to say to you listening thank you for listening if you've got any feedback at all get us there get us at fcpodnet.com no, no, fcpodnet <laughs> at outlook.com. I threw myself by saying at in the first instance there. Um, and let us know what you think. Uh, once again, just want to say, Dave, thanks for being on. You've been fantastic. Really enjoyed chatting to you. And the hour, it's an hour and a half just like that. You've been listening to a podcast from the Fair City Podcast Network. Fair City Podcast is a part of Britpod C, an independent network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritPodScene.com or follow BritPodScene on the Twitter to find out more. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>